This is the David Ze'ev in Israel podcast, coming to you on the JewishCoffeeHouse.com podcast network. And we come to you right after Rabbi Dr. Daniel Tropper received the annual Yakir Yerushalayim Award for his contribution to life in Jerusalem. Though Rabbi Tropper's contribution goes far beyond the city of Jerusalem, he is president and founder of the Gesher Foundation. The word Gesher means bridge, which is what Gesher tries to be in society. Its work is aimed at bringing the religious and secular closer together. Though Rabbi Tropper gave us the case of getting health care coverage in Israel as an example of how he and other founders of Gesher realized that they had to do something. First of all, it wasn't only myself that came up with it. It was a group of people. We were Americans who had studied in Israel in the early 60s, either in yeshivas or universities, and were absolutely appalled by the politicization of religion in Israel. Just to give you an example, it will be hard for, for people to believe it today, but as a yeshiva boy, age 20, I wanted to join a medical program, a Kupat Cholim. The only way to join it in those times is you needed either a blue book or a red book. You had to belong to a political party. And then you could belong to Kupat Cholim. The parties, of course, took off a certain amount of money for themselves, and the rest went for medical insurance. We felt that as long as Judaism was locked in that tight with politics, there was no chance of developing any kind of, of, of an accord between the religious and the secular in Israel. Mm-hmm. So as time went on, how did the situation improve? I mean, the title of your organization, Gesher, indicates, and that's certainly the impression I think not only I, but many have of the organization, is to bring together the different sectors of the population. Yeah, well, that's what it was. I mean, uh, when in 1970 was the first Gesher seminar for high school youth. Uh, it was really a breakthrough at that time. We brought together about 16, 17 religious students, 16, 17 secular students for a five-day seminar in Kfaratzion with Hanan Parat. It was it was a fascinating experience of bringing together. Now, this violated all the rules that were accepted then. Uh, Israel was then built on, on the separation idea. There was a religious uh, school movement and a secular school movement, and there was just no interchange between them. Uh, we made the first breakthroughs. It's interesting today, uh, these things are very accepted. There are meetings between religious and secular teachers, students. But when we set up those first seminars, it was really something new on the Israeli scene. You know, Rabbi Trapper, as I'm sure you're aware, even the concept of perhaps having Sunday as a day off in the week, legislation has been discussed and formulated in this realm, is said to be something which, among other things, would bring religious and secular together because over the weekends, they just otherwise really don't get to hear so much about the other. There are various stereotypes. Do you really think you've done wonderful work, but do you really think that religious and secular get along as well as they should, understand each other as well as they should in Israel today? Well, as well as they should, no. I mean, there have been dramatic changes over the uh, 40, 50 years of Geshe's functioning. I I would say that the animosity that existed in, in our day does not exist today. On the other hand, today, I think there's a different feeling. Uh, On the one hand, people have much more contact in business and in all areas, religious and secular, have a lot more contact. On the other hand, there is a certain fear. The religious are growing in strength, 
and this creates a fear on the part of the secular. Uh, there's something imminent about the problem, because the minute you have two groups, each one has a totally different concept of what the country is all about. Uh, it, it, it may be fine to expression in Shabbat legislation and, and other legislations, but fundamentally there's a, there's a basic cultural gap between the two. I, I think the great challenge that we have today is to accept the fact that there are religious, there are secular, the Mashiach will come, he'll have to straighten that out. <laughs> but meanwhile, we have to find a way that each side can at least understand uh, or the, the value system of the other. And I always believed, and I, I believe it today, from the day, first day of Gesher, that the Jewish tradition has to be the glue that holds people together. And tragically, in Israel, it's become the force that's pushing people apart. Well, yeah, you talked about the governmental role, the political role in life in so many different ways, and perhaps it's less today than before. But as long as we have religion and state together in Israel and the legislation that we talk about that various Haredi parties try to pass that would limit the amount of things that the secular could do on Shabbat and then the secular counter and they have these fights within the Knesset. As long as we have that, do you think it's possible to ultimately get the two sides to work together? Just now, for example, we have in Jerusalem the Tachana Rishonah, the first station, the battle over whether to keep that open on Shabbat or not. This is going to go on forever. There'll always be points of tension. You can't avoid that. The question is, how can I limit the points of tension? How can I establish methods of communication and forums where these problems can be worked out? Uh, I think from each side, there's a legitimate claim about the Tachana. If I was a secular, I understand very well why he wants it open, and I understand why the religious wants it closed. Well, we have to sit down, and there has to be a realization that we're both here, and right now we're both here to stay. Neither side is disappearing. In the, in the, in the 50s, I believe that the secular believed that, the, that religion was a passing phase. Uh, I think religion, of Crooks told me to believe that secular is a passing phase. Right now, I'm a practical person. We're both here. We're both here. We both have this country. We both love the country. We both want the country to survive. We have to work together. And I imagine, Rabbi Trapper, as you move ahead with Gesher, you say that Gesher is here to stay, and you will continue to hold these meetings that will enable at least the two sides to get together to I talk. I love the Gesher to disappear for there's no reason to be a Gesher. But unfortunately, right now, I think it's here to stay. Rabbi Dr. Daniel Tropper, president and founder of the Gesher Foundation. Rabbi Tropper spoke of unity. Rabbi Chuck Davidson says that the chief rabbinate in Israel works contrary to the cause of unity. Rabbi Davidson conducts conversions to Judaism and wedding ceremonies outside the realm of the rabbinate. We asked him what gives him the drive to work against the country's central rabbinic authority. So I think the chief rabbinate of Israel is a political body, not a rabbinic body, not a halachic body. It is an entirely political body, which since I made Aliyah back in 1991, in my opinion, has succeeded in one thing and one thing only, and that is to distance and drive Jews away from Judaism. That, in my opinion, is the opposite of what it should be doing. It's a catastrophe in my mind. And uh, therefore, I think that its monopoly in all the arenas it works uh, needs to be broken. 
to a great degree, it already has been broken, but it needs to be broken more, and there need to be alternatives to the Rabbanut in all the arenas it works, including orthodox alternatives, and that's the piece that I come to fill. Okay, but the thing is, many people would say, and I think you were even indicating, alluding to it just now, that it has brought many different sectors of the Israeli population together, because if you talk about other sectors in religious life in Israel, for example, the Haredi sector, they catered to their own, whereas the rabbinate has brought kosher food, has brought many services to people who are not necessarily religious in this country, and in a way, therefore, has united the country. It used to be that way, perhaps, maybe. I'm not certain of that, but before I made Aliyah. But to the contrary, it has divided the people of Israel since I made Aliyah. They may have done some reasonable work in Kashrut, I don't know. But certainly in issues of marriage and conversion, they have done the exact opposite of uniting the Jewish people. Not only are conservative and reform, just as an example, conversions rejected by the Rabbanut, but even the majority of Orthodox conversions done in uh, Chutzlarz, done in the diaspora, are rejected by the Rabbanut. Um, they have failed bitterly to deal with 400, between 350 and 400,000 people who made Aliyah from the former Soviet Union, some of whom are Jewish, but do not have the documents that the Rabbanut demands in order to prove that they're Jewish, such that they cannot get married in their own country. Mm-hmm. By the way, Rabbavad Yosef Paskind in 1991, that what was still is, that is to say, a person who says, I am Jewish, is to be believed unless there is good reason to suspect that his declaration is false. No documents, no anything. His declaration is sufficient. And Rabbi Vadya Paskin, that that applies to the Olim from Russia as well. The and Rabbi Yovadia is a former, was a chief rabbi at Not one at point. Not at the time. In 1991. At that time, but I'm saying he is somebody of correct. that and they, level, uh, Correct. And the chief rabbinate did not accept his opinion. They have made it more and more difficult for people to prove that they're Jewish. By the way, if I were to go through through the process of proving to the rabbinate that I'm Jewish, it's not clear that I would get through, not that I would ever try, uh, because I will not allow three rabbis who don't know me from Boo to call my mother's Jewish status into question. I will not allow that. I would never agree to go through that. But my mother has a conservative ketubah, and the probability of them accepting that as proof of my Jewishness is probably zero. <laughs> right. So we know the problems with the conservative and reform movement, and there is even tensions on the governmental level here between the various bodies in the United States and otherwise in the diaspora, but in particular in the United States between them and, let's say, even Prime Minister Netanyahu right now. But in terms of the Orthodox realm, is it all politics? And what do you do differently to solve the problems that the rabbinate does not do? So it's not all politics. There are certainly halachic disputes that exist. It is primarily politics, but not entirely politics. The difference, I think, the main issue is that never before in the history of the Jewish people, since the Sanhedrin ceased to exist, was there a central rabbinic body. In other words, rabbis were entirely autonomous to operate as they saw fit. And uh, people, Jews, were free to ask their rabbi halachic questions. So this idea of centralization, of consensus of this, of this centralized body never existed. It is halachically unjustified, in my opinion. I'll give you a quick example. I used to be a Kohen. Uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein poskined for me in 1981, give or take, that I am not a Kohen. Now, if I were to go to the Rabbanut, I know for a fact that the Rabbanut would not accept this psaq. 
So you're now, a Kohen as far as they're concerned? Yeah, well, they don't know. But okay. if they did know what the Psaac was based on, they would not accept that Psaac. I know that for a fact. And so, for example, I'm already married, fortunately, uh, but my sons would not be able to marry a giorit or, or a divorcee or whatever, because they would not accept a Rav Moshe's psak. Now, that just doesn't interest me what they think. I went to my rabbi, my rabbi uh, referred me to Rav Moshe Feinstein, I asked my Shaila, and that was the end of the story, and that's the way it worked. So how does it work in the sense, you joke about this sometimes, but is what you do, whether it be in the realm of conversions and or weddings, and they are often enough related in that regard... What you do, is that illegal? So the conversions are definitely not illegal. Uh, they are not recognized by the state, but it's not a criminal act. Mm-hmm. Doing a wedding outside of the Rabbanut is probably a criminal act. First of all, for those who can get married through the Rabbanut and do not add a civil marriage in Chutzla Aretz to their halachic marriage that I do, and then go and do a Rishum Misrat Apanim. If they do all that, if they do a Rishum Misrat Apanim... In the interior ministry here, in, in right. In the interior ministry based on a uh, civil marriage done in in, uh, in the diaspora, then they're not breaking the law. The law requires them to take steps to register as married. The law does not distinguish between registering in the Rabbanut and registering in the Ministry of Interior. So if a couple that I marry also does a wedding, let's say, by an Elvis impersonator in Las Vegas... <laughs> So, and he does the, uh, he registered as, or the couple registers as married in the uh, interior ministry based on their wedding done by the Elvis impersonator, then they are not breaking the law. Not only that, but the government recognizes them as married. On the other hand, if they don't do that, and I do the marriage in, an, in accordance with halacha, then uh, it is in theory a criminal act. It's mm-hmm. only in theory. Uh, whether or not this is really a law that will stand up to the Supreme Court is not clear. It's also not clear if the Rabbanut considers the weddings that I do as halachically legitimate. And the law only applies if the wedding that's done is halachically legitimate, then the law applies. So who knows? When we get to the courts, we'll figure it out. Rabbi Chuck Davidson. And you've been listening to David Ze'ev in Israel with producer Scott Kahn on the JewishCoffeeHouse.com podcast network.